Our text for today comes from Matthew 13, 31, 32. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. How are you? Good, good. All right. I'm okay, too, if you... <laughs> you guys don't even know how to carry on a conversation with a person talking to you. Uh, no, that's not true. So, over the last nine weeks, we have been in the midst of a series. We've kind of gone through a little bit of a journey uh, through this sermon series. The sermon series is called Whole... Which is, a, which is a series that has been all about what it, what it looks like to become both emotionally and spiritually healthy people. And today, I'm sad to say, slightly, that we're concluding that series. You're sad too, right? Yeah. Uh, but I'm also happy, so you can be happy as well, because, no, don't, let's not, don't take it that far. The, because this week really kicks off what is technically kind of uh, the holy two weeks or holy week, because next Sunday we'll have Palm Sunday and we'll celebrate Palm Sunday together and we'll look at Jesus's triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem as he begins his Passion Week. And then the following week is, of course, Easter, Easter. And for Christians, these are two of the most important Sundays of the year. They're holidays, yes, out in the world a little bit, but they are uh, a way for Christians to kind of live into the journey of Jesus as he comes into the city of Jerusalem, as he endures all the things he endures in that week, goes through Passion Week, is crucified, dies, and rises to life again. It's a beautiful story, and Christians get the opportunity to live into that story every year uh, around Easter. And so I want to encourage you that if Easter is something that you, um, you celebrate, but you just celebrate it as another holiday, that this is a period in time over the next two weeks when we are, when we are called to intentionally cultivate anticipation in our hearts. We, we intentionally cultivate ant anticipation of our hearts because we are coming to celebrate the reality that Jesus is risen, that he's alive, and that through him we can have life. Through him we can have life. And this should be a kind of bubbling, effervescent joy in our hearts. But if we don't do the work of trying to cultivate that in our lives, we just go, yeah, Easter, right? I hate peeps. <laughs> I do hate peeps, by the way. They're gross. Um, but we, can go, but we can go the opposite direction, right? And we can cultivate this type of joy. Uh, people who follow Jesus should be people who carry a kind of Easter morning joy with them all the year long. And part of the way we practice carrying that joy is by celebrating Easter together. And so um, you can wear a hat on Easter morning if you want. I don't care. Um, 
I, but I, I really long and desire for that morning to be a celebration. So just keep that in mind. Uh, and along those lines, Easter is a wonderful opportunity to invite your friends to church. So what I would like also for you to be thinking about over the next two weeks is who could we invite? Who could we just invite into the life of the church? Who do I know that doesn't already have uh, a place that they call home, a church that they regularly attend, uh, and they might want to come uh, celebrate the resurrection of Jesus with us? All right? Can we do that? Good. Good, good, good. But today we are concluding our whole series, the whole series. We're concluding the whole series that is called Whole. I know it's very confusing. It, uh, if, you knew, if you don't know how to spell those words correctly like I do, then we have a problem. But uh, over the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at different elements that make people emotionally and spiritually whole or whole and holy. And uh, up on the screen, we have a list of some of the stuff we's, we've covered over the last number of weeks at first slide. Uh, we've talked about things like knowing yourself, breaking the power of the past, adopting spiritual habits like uh, prayer and scripture reading, silence and solitude. Uh, we, we talked about accepting the gift of our limits, which is a really fun. And finally, we talked about grieving our losses last week. And this series, I just have to be honest, has been a joy for me. It's been a kind of joy and I think I've had more conversations with people in our church, with all of you, or in and around some of the ideas we've expo been exploring in this series than any other series we've done as a church. And the, that has kind of played into something that I was feeling, to be honest with you, as, uh, as we entered into this new year, that there were areas in our lives, there, there always are, but there were areas in our lives that God kind of wanted to put his thumb on and work on with some of us. And I just want to tell you that as a church, a lot of the things that we've been exploring, these ideas about around this series, are not things that are going to go away. These are not ideas that we're done exploring. Uh, the teachings and the practices and some of the ways of speaking about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to become emotionally and spiritually healthy, are just ideas that, that I'm committed to, that we don't want to move off of or away from. And I want this stuff to become central in our life as a community, as we explore what it means to follow Jesus together. This is really important. If you ask me honestly, I think that these truths that we've been dealing with in this text have become some of the, are some of the most important things we can do as followers of Jesus, especially in a day and age and in a culture where things are very external and not very internal. To look inside and actually deal with the reality of who we are, to face some of the things about us that Jesus wants to change, and then uh, follow Jesus in the process of seeing those things change is a radical thing. And so to do that, uh, we have to be intentional, but we also have to keep the bullseye kind of in front of our eyes. And so, so different tools even that we've explored in this series, like the Enneagram, like our spiritual health inventory, like a genogram, all those grams we talked about, uh, those things are going to remain kind of consistent and routine um, parts of our discipleship process here at Grace Community. So if you, haven't, if you didn't get an opportunity to go through that process with us earlier in the year because it was February and the world was snowy, uh, then we can, uh, there will be ample time to do that. But we want to keep these things central, not because, uh, not, not for any other reason than that we think it's a vitally important part of what it means to follow Jesus in the world. And because, I, like I said, I have this kind of sneaking suspicion 
I have a sneaking suspicion, which is that in a culture that places most of its emphasis on the, ex- the outside, the external nature of our lives, what people really long for, what people really and truly long for is not that their, their external self would come into order, but rather that the inside of them, their themselves would be changed. That what, we, that what people truly desire is that, the, that on the inside they would be renewed and restored and redeemed. I just have a feeling that that's what we all actually want. And so as a church, it's my desire that we all authentically follow the person of Jesus in this process. Even as we head into new series and new ideas and new talks and new passages, that we would all uh, continue this process of following Jesus into what it looks like to become both whole and holy people. And so today, as we conclude this series, I just want to center our remaining time on a picture, a word picture that Jesus paints for us about what the spiritual life, what the life of uh, a Christian, what the life of one who follows Jesus should look like. Last week, we talked about grieving our losses, which was heavy (laughs) a little bit. And today I just had a feeling that I wanted to take a little bit of an exhale, right? If, that, if last week was an inhale, this week is a little bit of an exhale. And just look at the parable of the mustard seed and see what we can glean from it about what uh, a life lived in the center of God's grace can look like for us. Is that all right? Good. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Matthew 13, 31 and 32. We're going to center most of our time there. If not, you can look on the screen. Do we, we have any gardeners in the room? Any gardeners? You can raise your hand. So people who garden. I spent probably 10 hours in the last two days in my backyard. We uh, purchased a home that was, uh, hadn't been lived in for a year, and the, they had a lot of beds, and they were overgrown, and there was a lot of work to do, and I didn't get to it in the fall. And while I enjoy yard work, I do not enjoy 10 hours of yard work. And what I realize is that I, I, am, I am neither a gardener nor do I have a green thumb. But uh, people I have met who are gardeners, like real gardeners, people who every day go out and tend their garden. And I, I say this with um, not trying to offend anyone. Uh, but real gardeners are some of the most spiritual people I've ever met. If you have ever met a gardener, like a real gardener, you can't help but be a spiritual person. I've never met a person who truly gardens, right, who has a beautiful garden, who tends, tends the ground and does, brings beautiful things out of the soil, who I've ever been like, that's a jerk, right? It's just not, it's just not, a, it's just not a hobby you pick up if you're mean. I don't know why that is. But in the so as I was raking leaves and doing all this stuff, uh, you would, I would just see these shoots come out of the ground because we're still trying to figure out what is in all of the beds uh, around our, what, all, the, all the beds around our house. And what, what I find is all these, all these green things begin to shoot out of the ground. And it's kind of magic, isn't it? It's kind of magic when literally two weeks ago, if you fell in the grass in your backyard, you would get a concussion because the ground was as hard as cement. And now, all of a sudden, like, green things are springing up in the midst of everything, right? Spring is this beautiful time. Another um, advantage of spring, if you live where Ashley and I do, which is on 18th Street right down here, not far from the university, is you get to see college students holding hands and walking around the block because it's spring, and that's what college students do in the spring. Sorry, guys. (laughs) We got you figured out. Um, But spring brings with it this kind of beautiful 
picture, doesn't it? There's this growth and there's this beauty. People who garden, there's this life in them. They want to get their hands in the dirt. They want to bring, they want to be productive. They want to bring something about, right? And one of the images, one of the predominant images that is used throughout the New Testament for what the spiritual life is like, very often in the scriptures, it's, it's what the kingdom of God or what the kingdom of heaven is like, is like a garden. This is an image that's used over and over and over again. Jesus uses it multiple times. There's all these kind of agrarian images that are used to talk about what it is to be a follower of Jesus and what the kingdom of God is like. Very often, it is like a garden. It's like a garden or being a gardener. And this same image comes about again in our teaching text for today out of Matthew 13, 31 and 32. Jesus uses the image of a mustard seed, a very tiny little seed planted in the soil, as an image of what the kingdom of God is like, how it functions in our lives as follow, when we follow Jesus. And I'm just going to read it one more time for us so that it's present in our minds. But Jesus is this is in a series of parables that Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of God. Many of them have to do with soil or the ground or planting and those types of things. But Jesus is giving a list of a series of parables about what the kingdom of God is like. And every one of these little parables has a slightly different point that he's getting at different aspects of the kingdom of God. But again, he uses all of these images, these word pictures, these parables as a means to help us understand what the kingdom of God is like and how it functions in our lives. And so in this passage, just in these two short verses, Jesus says this. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. Now, when Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God, what he is talking, or the kingdom of heaven, the language he uses here, what he's talking about is the rule of God, God's authority, what it looks like when God's authority comes to bear in our lives or in our world. It's what, it's what happens, I've heard one preacher say, a kingdom is a dome over which God rules. It is an area around, uh, over which God has authority. And Jesus says, when the kingdom of heaven comes, it comes like a mustard seed, right? It comes in this little way. Now, there's some slightly confusing things about what exactly Jesus is talking about here. Some commentators think he's talking about himself. Other commentators think he's talking about the kingdom of God or the, or the movement of Christianity that would come after Jesus. I think this passage is simply paradigmatic of the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying, in God's economy, this is how things function. Does that make sense? Things start small. They move from small to big. They move from small to big. But basically, Jesus in this passage is saying, do you want to know what it looks like when God's authority is brought to bear in the earth? Right? Whether that is in our personal lives or in the church, or in any way. When, when God's authority, his kingdom, is brought to bear in the earth, this is what it looks like. It looks like a little tiny seed planted in the ground that grows, that grows. And this image has, is captivating, I think. It's captivating. It's captivating not just because it is interesting. How many of you have actually seen a mustard seed? They I've seen one before. They are very little. You could lose them. Put them in a little bag. 
But, uh, but this image is captivating because of what it communicates, that the, that the kingdom of God, when it is planted, is kind of small, and then it grows, which is not the way you think the God of the universe would do things, is it? You would think that the God of the universe would do things in just go from big to big, right? It'd just be like from Super Bowl to Super Bowl or whatever, whatever big thing is in your head. But this tends not to be the way that Jesus describes the economy of God's kingdom. And notice he says one other thing at the end of this, and the birds come and perch in its branches, which is an interesting piece that we'll, we'll get to in a moment as well. So um, how do we understand this passage? How do we understand this passage that has captivated people's imaginations about what the kingdom of God is, but it's kind of hard to understand, and it's especially hard to understand how this parable works its way into our lives. Now, something you need to know about parables. Parables are parabolic, which means, <laughs> um, which means that uh, they they're hard to get your hands around sometimes. What a parable is supposed to do is not for you to go, oh, that's the meaning of the parable. Rather, it's, it's, we're supposed to be um, impacted by the parable. Does this make sense? We're not always supposed to go, oh, this is exactly how it should function in my life, and this is the end. This is exactly what the parable means. No, Jesus speaks in parables because stories have a way of impacting our hearts in a way that propositional truth doesn't. And so very often what we do with parables is allow the impact of that parable to just sit with us for a while. So sometimes so sometimes when we say, how do we, what does this mean? I'll go, well, sit with it for a little bit, right? Because the meaning of the parable is sometimes not as even important as the image. But that's not very helpful for you because I'm preaching and you, would, you could use three points about what this parable means. <laughs> so out of service to you, I've done that. Um, so what does this parable mean? Like, how does it function? And I, I, like I said, I, I want to... I want to shy away from saying what it means, but I want, to, I want to just kind of draw three observations from it and how it can function in our lives, how this parable can help us to see and orient ourselves around the kingdom of God in a healthy way. Does that make sense? So the first thing I want to say this morning is that God's grace to us is his ability to plant the life of the kingdom in our hearts. God's grace to us is his ability to plant the life of the kingdom in our hearts. Now, Jesus is not strictly talking about individuals here. He is talking about the kingdom full stop, right? The, the full authority, reign, and rule of God in the earth, that it starts little and it grows big. But that, that also works in the individual life as well. This is how God's kingdom functions, functions in our lives. There are other analogies about what in the, in the scriptures about what God's kingdom looks like when it comes to fruition in our life. There's a picture of Jesus uses the term new birth at other points. That, uh, and again, it's this picture of something starting small like a baby and growing into and maturing into adulthood. Does that make sense? There is this progression to the kingdom of God. And Jesus uses images like this a lot in the scriptures to say that when things start small, they are, and the, the way they start is that God plants a kind of seed in our lives or in the world, and that, that the planting of that seed is grace. It is a grace. It is a gift. The word uh, grace in Greek is charis which just means free favor, right? It's, some, it's like if your friend said, hey, Nick, would you like to come over and hang out? And I said, yeah, that'd be great. Let's go hang out. And what he really meant was, hey, Nick, do you want to come help me move my dishwasher? <laughs> and I said, 
yeah, man, no problem. And I went over, and I helped him move his dishwasher. And then he's like, okay, you can leave now. And this, that was just a free favor, right, that I did for my friend. Does this make sense? That's not exactly what it looks like. But it, that's what makes sense to me. Uh, grace is, caress is just a free favor. It's something that God does. It's something that God does for us on our behalf. And the, 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 the presence of the kingdom in our lives and in the, in the world is a free favor. It is grace. The seed of the kingdom, if we want to take this analogy, is planted in our lives, and there is nothing other than turning to Jesus and allowing it to be planted that we do. Does this make sense? God's gift to us of planting the kingdom in our lives, in our hearts, is another other words that the scriptures used to talk about this, is a free gift. It is grace. And Jesus makes quite clear in the scriptures that if we turn to him, if we acknowledge him as Lord, if we pledge our lives to him, he, this, this seed of the kingdom will be planted in our hearts. And, it, it, and there's nothing we can do to make it happen. Jesus just makes it happen. But Jesus makes it quite clear that this, this gift of grace, the seed of the kingdom that is planted in our hearts when, when we turn to him is just that. It is a seed. It is a little thing. It is in need of tending. It is in need of growth. It is in need of maturation or maturing. So the, for the person who turns their life over to Jesus, they are given this kind of grace. They are given this free gift. They are given this free favor, which is God's kingdom resident in their hearts. But there's another step after that, isn't there? And this is kind of the second point from this, par uh, from this parable, that growth requires a kind of diligence in our lives. That spiritual growth, becoming whole and holy, becoming emotional health requires a practical spiritual diligence in our lives. So the person who hands their life over to Jesus is given this kind of grace. They're given the seed of the kingdom in their lives where the kingdom of God takes up residence in our hearts, but the presence of God that resides in us is in seed form. It is in seed form. And again, back to the gardening analogy. The deposit that is there that will eventually grow into a tree must be tended. If you are a gardener, you know this, right? If you are a gardener, you, if you've planted tulips or whatever, and tulips aren't a good example because they just grow up every year, right? But if you've planted a tomato plant or basil or whatever it is that you plant, do uh, you know that the, while you, can, you have the seed and you can plant it in the ground and it's there, you have to do the work as a gardener of, a, of tending to the conditions of that seed. You have to make sure that that seed is watered. You have to make sure that the, that the soil has not been choked out by weeds. You have to ensure that it gets the right amount of sunlight. There, there is a process of tending that must occur in order to create the right conditions for the growth of that seed. Correct? This is what discipleship is. This is what the process of following Jesus is. It is the process of tending the soil of our hearts to allow the seed of God's kingdom to grow. This is why at times when we talk about uh, there is some, there's some element of effort involved in the process of following Jesus, 
the reason we say that is because there is, a, there is this component to the spiritual life that says we must tend the seed of the kingdom that God has planted inside of us. There is some work involved. There, and this is why in, the, our, in this series we've talked about these practical spiritual rhythms like silence, like solitude, like scripture reading. There are, other, there are other practices as well. But in order to tend to the deposit of the kingdom in our hearts, we must be diligent in tending to the soil of our lives. And if we do that, we, could, we create the conditions where that seed can grow. Now, notice that this, we did not plant the seed. We did not make the seed grow either. We just created the conditions where it can. You know, I have Creeping Charlie in my backyard. Um, it's bad. It's really bad. And I just walk around and I just pull it out wherever I see it. It, it's, it can really take up 10 hours in two days. Uh, uh, if, but if that Creeping Charlie is allowed to continue, what's it going to do? It's going to choke out all of the grass in my yard. It's going to make it impossible for grass to grow, right? This is what weeds do. And in the same way, the spiritual life requires a kind of diligent attention to the soil of our hearts, that we take on practices, and also we lay things aside that, that can corrupt the soil of our lives. I like the imagery of both taking things up and putting things down, right? So there are things that we need to do. There are practices that we need to do. To there, are things, there are spiritual rhythms in our lives that need to be incorporated into our daily, weekly, monthly lives in order to tend to the soil of our hearts. But there's also things we need to walk away from. There's also areas that we're giving attention in our lives that we should no longer give attention, right? There are, there are things that don't uh, contribute to the health of the soil of our lives that need to be put down. This is just part of what it means to follow Jesus, and it's part of what it means to have a healthy heart. And we know this instinctively, but so often we lose sight of it, that in order for my heart and my, in order to have an emotionally healthy spirituality, I have to attend to the soil of my life. There are things I have to do to make sure that that occurs, Right? There are things I have to walk away from in order to make sure that that occurs. And when I say this, if you're in this room and you're a follower of Jesus, you probably know what those things are in your life, frankly. Very few of us don't know that. And if you're in this room and you're not a follower of Jesus, then, the, the, then following Jesus is an invitation into cleaning up and clearing out space in your heart so that the kingdom of God can flourish. That's all it is. But the truth is that so that this work that we call it of attending to uh, our hearts, this process that the scriptures often call discipleship or following Jesus or pursuing his way, is this process of actively engaging with diligence our lives in such a way as to we, is so that we can create conditions where the kingdom of God can flourish. And so sometimes when we talk about Christianity, we can talk about it in terms of do's and don'ts, right and wrongs. It becomes a moralistic system where the people who do the right things are in and the people who do the wrong things are out. And that's a completely wrong-headed way of thinking about what this process is. This is why things like these par parables like this are so valuable for us, because they reorient us around the idea that 
uh, when we talk about uh, moral standards, when we talk about uh, spiritual practices, what we're actually talking about is creating the conditions where our hearts can flourish, where the kingdom of God can grow up in our lives. That's all it is. And so we have to be in, intentional about this fact of being diligent in creating an environment where the Spirit of God can flourish in our lives. The philosopher Dallas Willard, uh, I was, saw a thing where he said this the other day, the only way to grow is by the intentional engagement of your own inactivities, which I thought was a funny phrase. The only way to grow is by intentional engagement of your own inactivities, which means there are things that we are not doing very often that need to be engaged so that we can grow. It's a, I don't need to explain that quote anymore. I'm just going to leave it there. But it's true. It's true. If the band could come up. So that's this is my second point. And third, from this parable this morning, it's just our th the third observation I want to uh, draw out, is that God brings the growth. God brings the growth in our lives. So I kind of want to, when I was looking at this parable, I kind of wanted to sandwich in God's activity, our responsibility, and God's activity. It's like an Oreo cookie of, the, of following Jesus, right? That, that our effort on both ends to see the kingdom flourish in our lives is sandwiched by God's activity, his work of grace. Paul was, wrote a big, long letter to the Corinthian, he wrote two big, long letters to the Corinthian church. And one of the things he was addressing in one of those letters was that the, the Corinthians were kind of breaking up into factions and that they were picking certain leaders within the early church that they wanted to follow. So they would be like, I follow this person, and I follow this person, and I follow this person. And they were little gangs, right? They, not gangs, really. They, they didn't have switchblades or anything. But uh, they were little groups that were, were gathered around certain teachers, and Paul is addressing this, the, the way that this church has kind of factioned itself out and following different people. And in 1 Corinthians 3.6, he says this. Uh, one of the people that people were saying they followed was a guy named Apollos. And he says, I planted the seed. And what Paul means there is that I, I started this church, which he did. Apollos watered it. And God is, uh, has been making it grow. Right? So I did some work, Paul says. Apollos did some work. But God's the one who's growing this thing. And it's a helpful analogy, I think, for us, right? There is some work involved in tending to the soil of our lives. But God is the one who both planted it and makes it grow. Have, if, for the gardeners in the room, like, you can go out there and you can tend to the soil and you can fertilize and you can clear the weeds away but then you have to go in your house and just let the plant do its thing, right? If you just sit out there and watch it grow, A, you're, you don't have anything to do. Like get a hobby, another one, or a job. Jobs are good. Uh, but you don't make it grow, right? It grows. You create the proper, proper environment. You cooperate with the plant, but you don't force it to grow. And in the same way, the love of God that wants to grow up in our hearts as we follow Jesus does not occur because we make it happen. It is super, super, super natural. 
It is not a byproduct of our effort. It is not a byproduct of our striving. It is not a byproduct of anything we can do. It is, a, it is the gift of God's grace, again. It is a favor that he does us. It is a natural byproduct of a seed, the seed of the kingdom being placed in our hearts. When we encounter the person of Jesus, the seed of the kingdom is placed in our hearts, and the natural thing it wants to do is grow up within us to make us more loving, to make us more caring, to make us more the people who are more on uh, the, I don't, I'm not going to say that because that was offensive, but the, this is what it wants. This is what it wants to do in us. We simply have to clear the space to allow it to happen. Following Jesus is work. It is effort. There's some, there's some diligence involved in the process, but we do not make ourselves grow. God grows up in us, in a sense. And when I was praying through this passage, what I kind of, the impression I had, basically, was that many of us in this room, many of us in this room are like, we know, like I said earlier, we know what that thing is in our lives. We know that we have that anger thing, right? We know that we have that pride that just creeps out in this weird way. We know that there's this insecurity when we see that one person who says that one thing to us. It just, it opens up the well of insecurity in our hearts. We know that thing, right? Most of us. And I don't know about you, but I get really tired of dealing with that stuff. Like, really tired. And I keep going like, when is this going to stop? When, it, when is this going to go away? When am I going to stop feeling like this? When am I going to respond this way rather than this, right? There's, it can be infuriating. And we can go, where is God in all of this? Where is the seed of the kingdom that was planted in my heart that's supposed to sprout up to be the size of a big mustard plant? And I don't really know what a mustard plant is, nor do I care to go find out. But... Uh, <laughs> When is, when is that going to happen? When is the mustard tree plant thing going to occur? Right? And I don't know what it is for you. I don't know if it's fear, if it's anxiety, if it's anger, if it's pride, whatever it is. But this teaching shows us that God longs to grow in us in such a way as to root those things out. And though it feels slow, though the process of change is oftentimes very difficult, God longs to change us. And he longs to cooperate with our own effort at times to see that thing transformed. We all struggle with sin. We all struggle with pain. We all struggle. We all we all bite, we all scratch, we all claw. But the life of God is available. It's open to you. And though it might be small, it might still be in seed form in your life, its natural desire, its natural purpose is to grow. And we need to tend to the soil of our hearts to allow that to take place. But that's what will happen. 
And I just want to say to those of us who are tired, who are struggling with that thing, who are tired of dealing with that thing, who are tired of being a person who always responds that way, that God will grow the seed of the kingdom in your heart. He will do it. If you attend to it and you stay connected to him. we allow the, the seed planted in our heart to have its way in us. Over time, God will change us. Because this is the pattern. This is the pattern of the Christian life. Does God do miraculous things sometimes and change things really quickly? Yeah, that happens for sure. But the pattern of the kingdom is this pattern of discipleship. It's this pattern of a journey. It's this passage of a little thing that grows from a seed to a big thing. And if we submit ourselves to that process and we're aware of it, we can allow space, we can allow room for the kingdom of God to grow up in us. And that's what I want to do as a follower of Jesus, as I pursue the way of Jesus. I just want to create space in my heart, not to be a super per superman tomorrow, but rather to, to create space in my heart so that the kingdom of God can rise up within me over time. And then I can look back over my life and I can say what was once a seed is now Maybe not a big tree, but a shrub, right? It's shrub-like now. And that's what, what God wants to do for us. And so as we conclude today, I, I want to I pray a prayer over us. I kind of want us to pray a prayer together, not out loud, but I want to pray a prayer over us. And then I want us to just uh, conclude with a time of reflection as the band leads us. But there's this beautiful prayer in the Book of Common Prayer, which if you don't know what the Book of Common Prayer is, it's the, it's the prayer, it's the Book of Common Prayer. It's the prayer book for the, um, for the, for the Anglican Church, the, the church in England. And they have a prayer for this, uh, for this, for every week of throughout the season of Lent, which is the season that leads up to Easter. And the prayer for today was beautiful, and it goes very much with uh, what we're talking about today. It's a prayer about allowing God room in our affections to grow us. And so today what I just felt like I wanted to do was pray this over you. Uh, and then after we pray this over you, just uh, create some space in our hearts for God uh, to speak to us and minister to us. So if you would stand with me, that'd be great. And I believe we have the prayer on the screen if you could throw that up. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. So just in a posture of prayer, um, if you just receive this uh, as I pray it both over you and for us. Almighty God, you alone can bring into order the unruly wills and affections of sinners. Grant your people grace to love what you command and desire what you promise. That among, that among the swift and varied changes of the world, our hearts may surely there be fixed where their joys are to be found. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen and amen and amen. Let's respond to God for a moment. Just open ourselves to what God wants to do with us.